This is the Verissimus Real Estate Show. I'm Dom Marshall at Connect with Dom across all social platforms. So give me a follow there. Enjoy the good, the bad, and the funny stories from top real estate agents, small to large investors, wholesalers and flippers too, from across the nation. We'll get into personal and verissimus real estate stories. Verissimus means real. We're going to get into the real stories to inspire you to learn and to laugh a lot. The goal of this show is to provide value and give you successful and replicable strategies to help grow your business and the potholes to avoid too. We're going to cover marketing channels, personal branding, sphere building, investing, agent attraction, talent acquisition, new technologies and automations, sales tips, and much, much more. So do one thing for me, please. If you get any value, any little nugget from this show today, please like, comment, and subscribe, and let me know your thoughts. We've put a lot of work into this, so please like, comment, and subscribe. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Okay, so today we have Don Yoakum on the show. I'm super excited to have Don on today. He is a athlete, former Olympian, which is incredible. I'll let you touch more on that. He started his real estate career and built a Keller Williams brokerage that was the highest performing globally in terms of profitability. He had 10 other brokerages that he founded and built up, I believe, an interest in another 20. And then you went on to build ProInsight, which is a technology group. And I'll let you dive more into that. But nobody knows Don better than Don. So go ahead. I, I might have butchered that a little bit, Don. So I'll turn it over to you. No, that wasn't too bad. Yeah, no. The part about being an athlete, I think, does have some merit, though, because not just myself, but I have found that when people reach at least collegiate level, particularly D1 level sports, uh, that they tend to achieve in business as well. There's a certain amount of resilience that is required to be right. a competitive athlete. And uh, you get knocked down a lot and you got to get back up and go again. Uh, it's important to be coachable. Right. And so anybody that's reached that level has had plenty of coaches in their life and um, mentors as well, I'm sure. And I, I certainly have um, had many of those wonderful people in my life. And, uh, and so now it's basically just taking those practices into business and life. And, you know, I makes me think of a book of by uh, James Clear, which was uh, Atomic Habits, that uh, we will not rise to the level of our goals, but we will fall to the level of our system and process. And, you know, in sports or in any field of endeavor, you learn a certain system and process to reach the pinnacle of that. And um, I try to apply those in the best possible way. Uh, of course, uh, it is important to start by aligning your uh, whatever your unique ability is with something that you enjoy, that you're passionate about, and and then put a process to that, right? And then how did that background of athlete and you are an Olympian, which is crazy. When I saw that, I was like, of all the list of everything Don's done, he's also an Olympian, as he had to be. So how did that background, and I know you mentioned um you know, you don't rise up to your ability, you fall to the level of your um, systems and processes. Mm -hmm. Well, how did that background suit you when you made that transition into real estate? And how did that look? Well, just for example, when I, I grew up in Northern California and uh, in Sacramento, and then I realized there came a point when I was the best guy in Sacramento. And so what I needed to do was go to the Bay Area, which I did. Right. And uh, I spent the summer there and uh, I trained with people that were better than me. And uh, I didn't get myself in trouble. <laughs> I uh, 
was uh, successfully employed. And then that gave my dad the confidence to allow me to then move to Florida so that I could train during the winter with even better people. And um, as you mentioned, you know, then I ended up at 18 years old, I ended up um, on the United States Olympic training team. I went on to win three national titles, one world title, and it was a great experience. But what I want you to notice is that each time I kept seeking a higher and higher level of talent from which I could learn, right? So I put myself into an environment with people that were better than me. So I could basically just emulate what they were doing. And what I found is, is that when I would work as harder or harder than them and basically copy what they were doing, I would end up having similar success. Yeah. And, uh, and so that worked. And then I then applied that into real estate. So when I, <clears throat> when I got into real estate, I was actually living in San Luis Obispo on the central coast of California. Uh, and my dad was a very successful realtor and uh, encouraged me to get in. And I did. And he mentored me. So I was learning from someone, again, better than me. And I wasn't a really big fan of uh, Southern California. He was in Long Beach. So once I did know my way around, I moved back to my hometown in Sacramento and I built a very successful sales career there. And, um, and then when I did join Kelly Williams, as you mentioned, <clears throat> I had a, that was a tremendous growth experience. That role was very demanding. And, you know, I, I think of uh, recruiting, which is primarily what I was doing in that team leader role. Uh, as kind of a master skill of building a business. And so I was, I'm very grateful for having done that, even as demanding as it was. And then, as you mentioned, then, you know, once I left that and replaced myself, I went on and built nine more of their offices from the ground up successfully and, and just rinse and repeated the process. You know, I, uh, I was able to find myself team leaders in this case. Um, so again, that, that recruiting, instead of recruiting agents, like I was doing for the Roseville office, now I was recruiting team leaders to actually open up entire offices for me, right? And so then I gained some leverage. It was the same skill that I was applying, but just in a different context. Instead of me being a leader, I became a leader of leaders. So early on, it sounds like a common thread throughout your career starting early on even up probably still now is getting into an environment and finding mentors or coaches that are ahead of you and emulating their behavior learning from them learning what not to do from them as well is probably just as important and then that allows you to step up but not getting comfortable and taking the next step again and again until you get to a point of you know where you can reflect on everything and and go again, essentially, which is a good segue. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's important that you, you know, because there's in the, when you're pursuing mastery, it's important that you're not just repeating the same activity, but that you're having what we call deliberate practice. And when you're having deliberate practice, you're constantly pushing on that comfort zone and you're constantly looking to refine your system and process and your approach to doing things, right? Because it, it's sort of like if you get and reach a certain level and you continue performing in that way, it will produce a similar result, maybe. Um, and what I mean by that is like, for example, when I was competing in windsurfing, I happened to be involved in the sport when there was a lot of technological progress that was occurring and so you would show up at one race with a certain set of equipment and technique and win but then the next month they might have developed a new sail of fin or dagger board or board design that now all of a sudden you were getting fourth and fifth place and so what I learned there was that to practice your discipline it's not a static thing you have to recognize that your competition is not sleeping, man. That <laughs> <laughs> you you have to constantly be looking to improve, um, because your competition will. And so, what you did last month may not be good enough this month, right? 
And, and so that's why it's so important to choose a field of endeavor that you really enjoy <clears throat> because you're just not gonna be willing to work hard enough at it to be competitive if you don't have passion for what you're doing. Right, right. That adaptability and the only constant thing in business is change and adaption. So, I mean, even right now we're looking at with with everything on our end, the businesses we have is, you know, how do we integrate ChatGBT and these new technologies? You know, it's early doors right now, but if we can be one of the first adapters in finding a functional way to use it, we might get two or three steps ahead before anybody else has even implemented that. So technology changes can shift businesses massively. Um, with that said, what does your business look like today and where, where what's your path? Where are you heading to? Yeah, well, I, I have two. And so I, I have a large um, sales organization on the EXP platform that uh, spans 34 states and nearly a thousand agents. And, uh, and I think of that kind of as my tribe. And, uh, you know, at the moment, EXP is, you know, sort of the company of the decade. Um, I think has a clear value proposition advantage in the brokerage community in real estate. However, um, I don't know if that's going to be the case in 10 years. Like you just said, you know, I think we were all kind of shocked when chat GPT uh, came and boy, that was quite a step up from a Google search. Right. And, and now Bard is even coming right. back with another response to that. And right. so I think that, the way that I look at my EXP organization is that's a group of people that I pour into, that I do my best to add value to. Uh, and we have uh, a relationship of respect and trust. And so, you know, if EXP ceased to become the hot thing, you know, we pack our bags and go do something else together, but we would add value right i don't think there's ever even when technology influences so much of, of our society there's always going to be an opportunity to add value to people and the more value that you can add the more compensation that you would be due to receive right and so that's how i just approach my life and my day is what can i do to add value in the greatest possible way to these relationships, to my organization, to our customers, et cetera. So what, what, what's your, other than, you know, providing as much value to the our organization right now, what is, where, where are you trying to get? Do you have even bigger aspirations than where you're at right now? Are you kind of maintaining and making sure that you don't want to scale too large where you can't facilitate? Like, what's the future well, look like? The beautiful, the beautiful thing about the XP organization is that it does scale. And what I have noticed, because there are people that have far larger organizations than me, is just about that time when you feel like your organization is becoming too big, what happens is leaders emerge within your organization. So you actually go from being a leader to becoming a leader of leaders, right? And I, I have a certain amount of that now. That tipping point in the EXP model is about 500 agents. You know, you're, you're a leader up until that point. And then the way that you go beyond that is by becoming a leader of leaders and help each of those leaders develop organizations of 500. So if you have 20 of those, you have a 10,000 person organization and that, that works actually. Now, what I also recognize though, is in May of last year, we had a really severe market correction. Uh, in most parts of the country, interest rates were going up um, roughly since early March, and they reached a tipping point in May where it pretty much shut off the market. And because affordability became a real challenge for a lot of folks. And so I have, um, fortunately, I had been working for a little over two years in developing a technology platform for exclusive referral networks, and uh, I completed it just last month. And so now I'm able to offer a, another means of my organization and actually it's broker agnostic. So other agents could take advantage of it as well 
but it, it is a way to get professional referral. Uh, agents or realtors have historically been pretty good about working their spheres of influence and past clients or clients, hopefully, they don't refer to them as past clients, uh, but they've been pretty poor when it comes to getting professional referrals. You know, that for most agents, the experience is, you know, there's a buffet, we bring the food, everybody else brings a fork. And we train the realtors to actually be professional networkers and engage in those relationships and have uh, and enjoy uh, referrals from asset-based professionals like CPAs, financial advisors, attorneys, insurance, lenders. And then on the vendor side, it's usually the professionals that people would engage in preparation for listing a home. You know, what does somebody do when they're going to put their home on the market? They paint it, they landscape it, they remodel it, they redo the flooring, et cetera. And how would you say then, as someone coming onto the platform, what, what's the name of the platform again? Pro Insight? Pro in, yeah, Pro Insight. So if someone goes to the Pro Insight platform and wants to do work on business referrals, how would you tell them to go about that process? Yeah, well, they, they can go to ProInsight.com. Uh, they, in order to you uh, claim an exclusive membership in the network. So there's, there's roughly 3,200 counties, by the way. And in each county, each professional, so one realtor, one lender, one CPA, one financial advisor, each person has an exclusive, but you're part of this really highly vetted network of top professionals, right? So just for the realtors, just the relocation referrals are going to be, you know, probably make them $7,500,000 a year. But in order to claim that spot, they go through a training, which we call the family office certification. And it is a, a 12 module, eight hour training that occurs over four days, uh, two hours a day. And, um, and it, it, it is, I would say, best of class training in professional networking space today. And so that equips those professionals to be, first be able to build a uh, local network and then run that uh, in a productive manner. And really a big point of differentiation between our network and what you may have seen in the past, like from a BNI or the tip or something like that is, you know, we don't ask our professionals to get together each week for breakfast or something and twist each other's arms for referrals. We teach them actually how to put on a, uh, what we call a virtual family office event. And, you know, the beauty of Zoom, you know, like for example, today, you and I are on Zoom, right? and we're in, in two different states. Well, you can provide that service, that service, that term you may have heard of it, but it's normally that level of service where you bring a collection of professionals together on behalf of a, um, a client has normally been reserved for the uber wealthy billionaires, or at least somebody worth $50 million. And uh, because you know those professionals had to come together, but not now, they can just meet on Zoom. And so we're showing the professionals how to do that. And then also how to have expert panel events. And my point is, is that we're, we're actually showing the professionals how they can come together and bring an event of value to customers, yeah. right? And that's where the magic occurs. That's where the value is created. And, and then they're able to then, um, build each other's businesses just through the normal process of delivering value. I like that. I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of places you can go to where they kind of suggest this is where you can build business networks, but with the initiation membership coaching with that initial process, whoever's going to go through that is obviously going to be committed to pull through and be active within the group. So I, I think well, that that's a missing piece because I've been in, you know, a lot of networking events, you know, things, this and that, Facebook groups, et cetera. But a lot of it is, it comes across a little bit like leachy, me, 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 me. So having that, especially for someone newer as well, the proper guidelines of how to go about the process. 100%. Yeah, because... That's why, I mean, we could sell memberships all day long. I mean, can you imagine being the exclusive realtor in a 3,200 agent membership 
you know, those realtors that are doing, you know, our, our avatar ideal agent that we put in those networks does two to four transactions per month. You know, those guys are referring six to eight transactions per year, you know. Um, but the problem is if we allow people into the network that haven't gone through the family office certification, we just sort of have people just sort of waiting with their hand out, waiting for a referral. Right. We want to teach them how to engage their client base and also create and perform events of value with their community of professionals, their family office, so to speak, so that it actually causes business. You know, not everybody, but, you know, kind of the avatar customer for one of our family office clients is somebody that has got a net worth in excess of $1 million in income property, so separate from their primary residence, and doing at least one transaction a year. And, and you know that if you're an investor, you don't really want to do one transaction because you don't want to pay the taxes. So they usually want to do an exchange, right? And so, but, you know, if you have seven professionals, so just think realtor, lender, CPA, financial advisor, attorney, insurance, um, maybe private banker, property manager, um, and each of those professionals, let's just say, has four of those type of clients, four clients that are millionaires and net worth in real estate investing and doing at least one transaction. Well, that's 20, that's a minimum of 28 transactions a year. And you brought four of those to the party. Well, that means you did two additional transactions per month yeah. that were brought into your world by your strategic partners, your the rest of your family office, right? You know, and for most realtors in the country, a transaction produces about a ten twelve thousand dollar gross commission. So, you know, you showed them how to add twenty thousand dollars a month. That's yeah. a great value, right? Definitely. So let, let's shift gears for a minute and let's go back to the early days. So mm -hmm. let's talk about a meaningful deal, transaction, partnership early on that really spearheaded your growth or changed your mindset that really helped you get to where you are now. Yeah. And I, I guess I, I think the, tenure that I had at KW as a Keller Williams team leader was really a building block for me to understand how to attract and retain talent. So I, you know, I am very grateful for that experience. That was a tough role imagine. to do. Okay. But huh. it was, it was a really rewarding one. And right. now it's, it's one that, cause you know, that role is, not necessarily an equity role. And so you want to be able to take that experience and then apply it to the highest and best use, right? So now that I know that talent of attracting and retaining talent, how do I apply that to the highest and best use? And I'm doing that in building my EXP organization. I'm doing that by building networks on the Provinside platform. So would you say that's a piece that a lot of realtors that you know, some realtors just want to do transactions and they want to stay in their lane. Some realtors get into the business envisioning growing a big business, a big organization, but they get mm -hmm. stuck, they get stuck in all the transactions. Mm -hmm. How would you go about that transition or implementing and building a business? Would that be recruiting? Would it be what what is it? What's the missing link there? Cause I feel like a lot of people get stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. Well. That's a great question because uh, real estate uh, is a very consuming role. It's a, it can be a very high paying role, but it, it's basically a ticket to a high speed treadmill ride. Mm -hmm. And we're, as realtors, we're essentially unemployed after every transaction. Sorry. And so, uh, if someone is performing at a high level, they're not going to also be a great business builder. And so if somebody came to me as a top performing realtor and said, well, you know, I'd like to be a manager and build a sales organization, um, you know, then that's a different decision. The, the challenge is, is that 
how do you make that financial transition? I have found that the best way to do that is perhaps to become a trainer. And so that that's a bridge that I incorporated into Pro Insight is we have people that have been very successful in their career that are now trainers for us. The thing about training is it, it can be, if you're good at it, a very well-paid profession, certainly six figures, but it it's a finite delivery, right? Meaning like the, the family office certification, it's an eight hour training. So if you do two of those a month and you're making 12 to $15,000 a month, you know, you're, you're working basically four hours a week, making at least 12 grand a month. That's not a bad gig, right? Well, now you've created a bandwidth or so that you could then build a sales organization. The problem with real estate sales is, and that's why basically 88% of the people at eXp don't do any recruiting at all is because you're never done. <laughs> when you're a realtor, you're always getting a text, a phone, an email. There's a crisis to attend, a listing appointment to go on, right? And so I just, you know, when you chase two rabbits through a field, you know that story. That doesn't tend to go very well. Okay, I mean, right. can you can you do a little bit here and there? Yeah, but, you know, that isn't going to ever uh, enable you to have world-class results by dabbling. So I, uh, a realtor would either have had to put themselves in a position where they're not dependent on that income, or maybe their spouse would support them in the transition, or they need to have an, a, an alternative source of income like coaching or training that has a finite period where they can time block in the activity and then build around that. So there is going to be sacrifice is what I'm hearing is if you're wanting to transition and envision something bigger and work on something bigger, it may be at the cost of either really going 18, 18 hours a day and filling in everything or being really strict on your time blocking or being able to take a hit on commissions, et cetera, your business and getting support. Or you're at a high enough level where you're comfortable, where you can allocate that time, where it's not a financial decision, it's a growth decision. So, yeah. And, you know, I mean, in baseball, in order to get to second base, you actually have to let go of first. Mm -hmm. Right. So, first, when you're standing on that base, you're safe. Okay. Right. When you start, when you leave that base, you've got to run to that next base and that yeah. requires commitment. And so just, there's just, there's just no free ride, man. You know, uh, if anybody tells you it's going to be easy, you know, they're probably, you know, leading you a line of bowl. It's just, um, anything worth having is worth working for. And, uh, like I said before, it, it's not even enough to be persistent. You're going to have to do it in a deliberate, purposeful way because it your competition is not static, man. You're you're going to always be facing a new and greater adversity, and so you will need to rise to that occasion as well. So to dovetail on that, was there a time whilst you were? built in your organization, whether that was with Keller Williams early on or with EXP now, probably most likely earlier on, and I'll circle back around and get to my point. Um, as you're going through the process and you've kind of left first base, um, are there times where you're like, I wish I never left first base? It's really difficult why am I doing this? Questioning yourself, having doubts. How do you go through when you're in the thick of it, getting on the other side to second base? Did you have those thoughts? Was there difficult times? Or was it? No, you know, I, I'm not one to really um, look back and want what I had, you know, because I'm always wanting to learn and grow. And, you know, when I was an agent, it was really hard, <laughs> okay? But I became a top agent. You know, I closed 51 transactions my first full year in the business. And I, I performed at a high level. 
The problem was, you know, I was working 60 to 72 hours a week. I got burned out. Uh, when I got, when I became a team leader for KW, that was also really hard. Um, I did manage to perform at a high level. You know, I took that original office from 10 to 184 agents in 27 months. Um, but that was, that was my journey. So as a salesperson, you know, when I was a realtor, you know, that was my journey to become an expert salesperson. When I took the team leader role, that was my journey to become a leader. And then when I started building the other offices through them or building my sales organization at EXP, then I became a leader of leaders. My success was in proportion to how successful I could help other people become, right? As long as you're doing all the work, you're the salesperson, right? Or you're the laborer, right? And what I wanted to do was I wanted to, I mean, I do like making a difference in people's lives. That's rewarding, you know? At some point, I'm gonna kick the bucket. I'd like to have made some difference here on the planet that would outlast my life. And if I can do that through other people, then that's cool. And um, I will feel like it would have had some meaning. Yeah. So I used to, I haven't recently, but I, I would run a lot. Then I was training for ultra running. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know where I heard it, but, and I remember it so fondly because there was one day I was running and I was like, it's so true. But the running doesn't get easier. You just get faster. So there, you know, as long, it, it, you're doing the same amount of distance, but you're fitter, you can just move faster, but it doesn't get any easier. So as yeah. you go through each stage of your business, although it was hard as a salesperson, it was hard as a team leader, it was hard being a leader of leaders. I'm just moving a bit faster now. That's right. You know, it's funny. I, it makes me think of that story of the bank robber. And they say, well, why would you rob banks? And the guy says, well, that's where the money is. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, you know, once you learn a certain skill, I think it is important that you ask yourself, okay, well, now that I have this skill, am I applying it to the highest and best use? So you get more efficient in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm not doing anything, you know, you know, the truth is recruiting someone is the same as a listing appointment. It's an intangible uh, sales proposition. You know, as a buyer agent, you basically, if you can drive a car, open up a lockbox, let the person in the house, they pretty much tell you if they want the house or not. Right. I mean, and they, and pretty quick. I mean, I don't know about your experience, but at least when I work with buyers, they usually know within the first few minutes that they like that house or not, right? There's not a lot of sales going on, okay? I do have to still have to be competent enough to fill out a purchase contract and negotiate it on their behalf. But when you are listing a property, you have to be able to articulate an intangible value proposition, selling yourself and why um, they should have you represent them as opposed to one of the other 5,000 agents in your community, right? And it's the same thing with recruiting, you know? Why is it that they should join you and your brokerage instead of some other, mm -hmm. you know? So it, it's the same skill just applied in a different context is the point. So what, what do you think then for everyone else that's there that's, grinding they're putting in the work they feel like they're doing it every single day mm -hmm. what's the difference between person a and person b get into uh, you know the position of building 10 brokerages transitioning to exp building a big organization whereas you know is it activity is it grit is there something you know is there something special secret is, is there some because this is the question that i get a lot is you know, how, how do you get to where you're at? What did you do? It seems like you're doing something that nobody else has done. And I tell them, I'm just replicating what I've learned from other people and just stay in the course. That's for me. And I could tell you, there's nothing proprietary about what I'm doing. It's just about executing and doing it. So yeah, what, that old saying yeah. of, you know, 
um, I think it might have been Michael Dell, but um, there's somebody that said, you know, success is 1% inspiration. It's 99% perspiration. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, that, like I told you, there's no big secret here, okay? Um, there is refinement uh, of what you do. I guess here's what I would encourage your listeners to first do. Evaluate what it is that you really like to do. When do you feel like what you're doing, you lose track of time, you feel like you learn at an accelerated rate relative to others. When you're done for the day, it, you don't feel exhausted from the effort, but maybe even energized by it. Even when I would lose a recruit, you know, if I, because I have a very consultive way of doing my recruiting, I, you know, I could go home and feel good that maybe I made a difference in that person's life. They might not join me, but it wasn't a day lost, mm -hmm. right? And so first align your unique ability, your interest, your passion with your activity. Then figure out what you want to achieve, who's gone before you and copy them, okay? Their success leaves clues. There are models out there, okay? Don't try reinventing the wheel. Just emulate the people that, you know, when I, one of the, the points of counsel that I give all my agents is I say, get yourself an accountability partner for 90 days, do a daily text, you know, wh whatever your big rock is. I got to call five people in my client uh, database every day and then hit that text to your accountability and then meet with them once a week. But here's what I want you to do. I want them to be in a referral market to you. I want them to be doing what you want to do. In other words, if you're a new agent, I want your accountability partner to be somebody that's doing one deal a month. Okay, if you're doing one a month, then I want your accountability partner doing two. If you're doing two, then they need to be doing three, okay? If, if you're now gonna become a leader of an office, I want you to get mentored by, you know, when I joined KW, I got to where I was recruiting five people a month. That was pretty good. But I found out there was somebody in Atlanta. Uh, in this case, her name was Cheryl Sedoti, and she was doing 10, twice what I was doing. I'll never forget me saying, you know, Sarah, I, Cheryl, I am working incredibly hard to get my, I have no idea you're doing good. And she's in her little Southern draw. She's like, oh, honey. If I can do it, I just know you can do it, you know? <laughs> okay. And you know what? After 90 days of talking with her and her sharing her systems and process with me and me just copying it, what do you know? I was doing 10 a month. So this goes circles back all the way back to the beginning of the interview is if you're feeling like you're stuck and you're looking side by side and you see someone, you feel like you're doing the same activity and everything's the same, but one person's ahead of you, maybe reach out to them, try and get some mentorship, some coaching and see what they're doing. They might just be one little change or switch up. I'm not sure what it was with her systems to, to yours. I'm sure yeah. they were very similar, but there was just one little thing that you took away and went from five and doubled your business month over month. So that, that circles full, goes full circle to what you did. This might be your superpower. I'm, I'm not sure I'll ask you this at the end of the interview, but just pushing ahead and seeking out people that are right there and learning from them and then implementing uh -huh. that. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I am, uh, I don't want to say I'm fearless because I think really courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the willingness to move forward in spite of it. That being said, that when I have a goal, there is nothing that will get in my way in regards to seeking out the very best lines, the best system and process to achieve that goal. I'm fearless when it comes to going to, you know, like, first of all, what you have to do is, well, who is the best at what I'm doing? Okay, then you've got to have the courage to pick up the phone. In this case, you know, I called her up and said, hey, you know, I hear you're the best. 
I just have a couple questions for you and I'd like to take you to breakfast when, you know, when we, we had an event that was coming up, I wanted to meet her personally, which I did. She wouldn't even accept money from me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I offered to pay her. <clears throat> I ended up getting her a scarf from Nordstrom's in the end. But, you know, the point is, is that people are willing to help you. <clears throat> you got to have the courage to ask and you got to know what you're asking for. Right. Right. So reaching out to the best in that field and learning systems and processes from the people that are doing it. Um, so what motivated you then to become a coach yourself? Well, it's just, it's really rewarding to feel like you're making a difference in someone's life that you could potentially influence the trajectory of their life. Um, you know when you can impact somebody let's say that they're 30 years old and maybe through your influence you increase their trajectory by just a few points that may not look like much in the short going but you know at the end of their life they could be in a completely different place they could have impacted hundreds if not thousands more people because of what they learned from you and you know that it's pretty cool so what, what would you say to people let's say i don't need a coach well uh gosh you know then then you're a better man than me because um i uh i don't i know that I would not have achieved near what I have done without my coaches, without my mentors, without the examples. You know, if you can't afford a coach, then don't hire one. But, you know, it doesn't cost anything to have an accountability partner that's in a referral market to you. You know, like I said, I tried to pay Cheryl. She wouldn't accept money. You know, I mean, so if you think that you know it all and that you can't learn from other people, Okay. You're an idiot. <laughs> Plain and simple. You're an idiot. I totally agree. There's so, so many coaches coming uh, athletic background myself as well. You remember those coaches. You remember the good ones. You remember the bad ones. And the good ones take you exponentially 100%. higher, uh, without a doubt. Um, so let's unpack that a little bit. What What is your coaching platform? What 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 is it that you provide? as a coach. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, it's funny because I was being coached today and I was just talking about how I'm going to phase myself out of coaching because I have, really, I only coach on leadership now and yeah. I'm going to phase myself out uh, of my clients over the next year, just because my XP organization is a big role. And then my pro insight coaching and uh, my technology company has taken off. So those are two really big responsibilities. And you know, you just have to recognize, and, and I even hired a CEO for that, which is just in Sauter, but it, um, you have to decide what you want in your life, you know, and sometimes it requires giving up things. In order for me to become a leader in real estate, I had to let go of my sales career. In order to become a leader of leaders, I had to cease becoming a team leader, right? And, um, in order for me to now, now I'm at a stage where I don't need to create more income. I just, now I'm looking for a greater quality of life. And so, you know, I, I actually really, I just came to that decision a couple hours ago in my really? coaching conversation. Yeah. Wow. That, and that doesn't mean I won't still mentor people. And, you know, if people come to me with genuine intention, you know, I would help them, but I, I'm going to, phase out of my coaching just because I, um, it's another, it, it, it does take time. Unfortunately, you know, coaching does require, it's a time yeah. for money exchange, that part of it. it. You can create a legacy or you can make a difference, which is really rewarding. But I, the coaching or mentoring I do will be for the leaders in my organization, whether that be an EXP or pro insight. I have a personal question for myself. Because I feel like yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm in this part of the couple of businesses that I have right now is that transition of 
being leaders of leaders and <laughs> I need to start buying some books or resources or whatever I can because it's different it's <laughs> I can't you know before what I would have with uh, salespeople I would have and I would narrow it down I read the one thing the book by Gary Keller and it's I'd narrow it down to his your one number of activities so long as you do everything around this and your time blocking and all the other stuff but this is your number to hit if you hit this number consistently and be gritty you will succeed but mm-hmm. for, for being a leader of leaders it's not so binary how would you advise me to go into that transition well you know one of the things that i tell people you know <laughs> is if you if you want to be a successful coach hire somebody that was going to succeed anyway. In other words, coach somebody that was going to succeed anyway, right? And when you, if you want to win a horse race, choose the fastest horse to ride, okay? And so what I would do is I would look to get myself aligned with people that were going to succeed without me but I would create an opportunity so great, so big that they couldn't resist doing it with me. Like the Godfather. <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you want to reach that next pinnacle of success and become a leader of leaders, you've got to have a better opportunity for them. You know, I it just, you know, that saying of we can have whatever we want in life as long as we'll help other people get what they want right and so you've got to ensure that you have something that they want and you can help them get it and by them achieving that you your success will come from it what's an example of a framework like that that hypothetically would be you have a you see a talented horse here and you want them to run how do you incentivize them how what's that framework of getting them to bite the carrot and go yeah well for example let's say i'm talking to somebody that wants to make a transition into becoming a trainer and coach first of all you you've got to be careful to not talk about money up front but you got to talk about what they you know i'll ask people about what they really love about their role and if i get that they're passionate about training and coaching, then I'll say, well, okay. And what if you could do that? What, and you could do it, let's say in professional networking space, which is what the family office certification is about in Pro Insight. And you could earn 12 to $15,000 per month working four hours a week. And they're like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? I could do that? Yes. And then have, you know, 48 to 60 professionals, high end professionals, all earning six figure that are, you know, captive to you, so to speak, for that training. So if you want additional coaching clients, they would come through that natural process. So you can you can use training as your funnel to provide your foundation and then you get additional coaching clients. And so my opportunity though has to be better than the other 37 other coaching training opportunities mm-hmm. right and it also has to be in alignment with what is interesting so i will send them an overview and i'll say well does this material resonate with you could you get excited about training mm-hmm. that right and if if it's yes then we have a match but if it's no then it's not going to matter how much money, right? right? Eventually, they're going to burn out. Right. So it's fine. Obviously, you got to understand your own value proposition. And then you've got to show them what's in it for what you provide and what's in it for them. Yeah, that's right. It's that simple. So, I mean, one thing that we recently put together was, and I didn't know if you've gone down these frameworks before, but it's um you know he's like a stud salesperson he's incredible and we're like okay we we need to make sure that we keep this guy we we want him to be around for the long term 
shall we put together it's actually being drafted right now is an equity package waterfall invested over a schedule based on performance metrics and numbers coincided with his commission structure because it's 100 percent commission we we're not like an amazon or a behemoth where we can give these multi six-figure salaries mm-hmm. so we're kind of saying you can be part of something bigger you can be an owner by the way the commission's lucrative and you can get to that through you eat what you kill yeah and here's your framework papered how about it is that something is that a framework I guess, what's your thoughts on giving out equity? Yeah, in the right circumstances, yes. I mean, when I recruited my CEO for Pro Insight, you know, Justin, I provided him equity opportunity. You know, it, it's just, you know, here's, you, you want to know the secret of getting really wealthy is go to someone that's really wealthy and make them more money and then just ask for a percentage of it, okay? I mean, if you wanna make a million bucks, then go to somebody that's making 10 million and offer to help them make them another 5 million and ask for 20% of it. Yeah. You make a million bucks, it's that simple. The guy has already figured out how to make millions. You're basically gonna just help them make more and then you de-risked it for him or her and you're just going to be paid a proportionate amount yeah and so the answer to your question about equity is is that what is the value that's going to be created in exchange for that equity it could be in the form of profit sharing it could be in the form of actual ownership too you know it just depends on the circumstance what's most appropriate but um but the equation is kind of the same is that I'm going to be, you know, I also tell people, you know, you're going to be paid pretty much in proportion to the size of the problem that you can solve. You right. know, people want to avoid problems. Well, I'm telling you run for those because that's, that's your defense. Okay. Against disintermediation. Technology now is getting so good. It's going to start displacing a lot of people. You're going to have to look for new and bigger problems to solve. I like problems. And that's where I find my best investment properties when there's big problems going on. So that's a good segue. And switching gears is, do you believe as you get in success as a salesperson, team leader, wherever you are at, do you believe in investing in real estate, the good, the bad? or? Yep. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, one of the things why we started the family office is because, you know, historically, that was the domain dominated by financial advisors. But the truth is 70% of wealth in America is held in real estate. And so now we've created a training that's real estate centric around a family office type delivery, right? And that is, um, you know, and was it Mark Twain that says, you know, uh, buy buy more of that because there ain't they aren't making any more of it, Lines, right? right? Yeah, it's it's a there's a finite amount, and uh, and so yeah, I mean, real estate's fantastic. There's great tax advantages. Um, you can um, use leverage to a point, and um, you know it's fantastic. You know, I I have lost money on real estate before, but. Um, I just sold a property last week that made me a tidy profit. You know, it um, it is generally quite good um, as long as you follow some basic rules. And um, I think over the long haul, there isn't a better vehicle to build um, solid wealth. You know, you could become a tech billionaire, but what are the odds of it, you know? If somebody follows an investment strategy in real estate for 30 years, I can pretty much guarantee they're going to be a multimillionaire, right? Right. right? And I can't say that about tech. Yeah. So yeah. It, it is, um, it, it's not the quickest way to wealth, but it's probably one of the surest ones. 
Yeah, that's it. Uh, it, it. You don't get wealthy quick, but you get wealthy for certain. If you have to stay in power as well, because not all deals are good deals, but if you can stick it out and push through it, it, it will inevitably become a good deal. So let's, right. let, let, let's wrap this up, Don. I really appreciate this. So I got a few quick fire questions, just short answer, one word. Sure. Or whatever. <laughs> Go as long as you want. I got time. But what's your, I touched on this a little bit. I might have mixed it up a little bit, but what's your superpower? Yeah, well, I, I was asked that question when I was a senior in high school. And the answer that I gave was drive. So just a few years ago. Yeah, so that was a minute <laughs> ago. <laughs> and I would say that my superpower is that I'm a relentless man. Yeah, yeah. And, and when I set a goal in mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with it as long as it's still in alignment with what I want and who I am. And uh but from a more practical sense, uh, you know, my ability to attract and retain talent has certainly served me. And um, and just really having a growth mindset has been a superpower for me. You know, I'm never satisfied with the status quo. I'm always looking to improve myself, improve my organization, give my leaders opportunities for growth and, and everyone involved. So... Uh, that's what served me. On a side question, where would you say that are the best areas to go to find talent? Is it do you just post on Indeed, LinkedIn? Do you oh, go gosh, identi no, identify no. prospect? Like what? What's the, the, the best a lot of... people? By the way, are not looking for jobs. <laughs> there we okay. go. Okay, so you know, I I did a. Uh, I did a talk in Maui a few months ago and I said, you know, if you want a leader, then go find a leader. How do you know they're a leader? Well, they have followers for one thing. If I want somebody to build something, wouldn't I want somebody that has successfully built something? Mm -hmm. Right. So then I don't have to wonder if they can do it. I know they can do it. I'm just going to give them an opportunity to do it in a higher and better way. Then that circles back to putting together a value proposition, consultative approach, seeing what's trying to avoid price early on uh, or yep. cost early on and, and develop that relationship. How many touches would you say with a potential recruit would it take to get a leader or to attract someone like that? Because it's not it's oh, not going to be super uh, transactional, right? It's not it's not a 30 day transaction. Yeah. In most no, no. cases. Uh, matter of fact, by the way, I have somebody joined me this week that I've been working on for three and a half years. Well, congrats. <laughs> yeah, well, that just <laughs> it's not an overnight thing. But then right. I've also attracted people in three and a half days. Uh, yeah. which by the way, I, I do have a, a two o'clock appointment, my time, which is in one okay. minute. So I, I I need to wrap up. But yep. the um <clears throat> but yeah, I mean it it is you know, it, it depends on so many things, their timing, the opportunity. Um, but I can tell you that um, I think your real answer or your real question was, you know, how do I find these people? And it is go find people that are already successful and provide them an opportunity that's better than the one they have today. All right. Last question. And then we'll wrap this up is your biggest or most meaningful Cognizant mistake. Uh, making a really big decision from a place of overconfidence. So you you don't want to make really big decisions when you're under duress. Yeah. I also found that you don't want to make really big decisions from a place of arrogance or overconfidence. It can be equally bad. Yeah. Yeah. That ties in. I was listening to Sam Zell. Sorry, I'll let you go. I was listening to Sam Zell the other night and that's all, his investing principle is that if, there, if there's upside, I'm okay. If there's downside, I need to know where my cutoff point is. If the downside can go beyond that, then we move on to the next deal. So it's really being able to assess what is that number to the risk involved. That's, that's right. 
Um, yep. Last thing, how do people follow you, subscribe, reach out to you, Don? How do people contact you? Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or email me at don at proinsight.com, P-R-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T.com. And the technology company was Pro Insight. Is that just www.proinsightgroup.com? Is that right? Uh, just proinsight.com. Pro Insight. Great. Mm -hmm. All right, Don. Let you go. Thanks All for right, doing man. this. Appreciate it. Thanks, Don. Thank you. All right. Yeah, have a great day.